0: This is Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Ross on 710 ESPN Seattle.
1: Seattle Sports at Night. Second hour is here. Curtis Rogers, Stacy Ross, Jake Heaps. It's it's rare actually that we're all three together. It, it is it, it kind of bums me out, gotta be honest. Like
2: I agree with you. I really agree with you. It's. I mean, uh, I'm fine with it. Uh, yeah, Stacy's the one person that uh, Stacy
1: would rather we just leave, and it would be her by herself, right?
3: <laughs> no, I hate it by myself.
1: I will say though that, like you mentioned in the sports bit, I'm bringing this to light with oh, Jake. No. With Jake's haircut, yeah, you were a little jealous because I you're going to get your hair. Her immediate cut.
2: reaction was one freak
1: out, and then the next reaction was just.
2: It, Classic Stacy.
1: Yeah, because now you're going to take attention from her when she gets her haircut next. I feel
3: like I do that in a good-natured way. Like, I very much support the new haircut. New Jake is great, but I also, you know, you know?
1: Yeah. You
3: guys. Yeah,
2: we know. No, we don't. <laughs> no, <know>. we don't. <laughs> <laughs> we really don't. So, you know, it's, it's all good, Stacy. Okay. We, it it. Is. We'll, we will be there for you. Once yeah, you get your hair will... all did
1: up. We will Thanks. be there. For yeah, you. You. we'll we'll post you know pictures of it on Twitter and yeah. just like guys, Stacy wow. got a haircut. Here she and, goes. and we'll dedicate the first five minutes of the show to at it. At least, yeah. maybe the first hour. Yeah, probably. You know what the problem is, Curtis? Now that
2: we say that, like we actually genuinely have to pay attention to when this happens. Oh, because man. if <laughs> we miss out,
1: <laughs> it's gonna be. Tough. We miss
2: out. This is like at home for me. Yeah. Right. Like go through the whole day. Thanks for noticing. What What do you mean? I got a haircut today.
1: Oh. Uh, looks great i did I did, oh, no. notice. I did notice i just I did i just didn't i just yeah i, I just didn't to want to make if, a big deal out of it yeah you know? i wanted you to look see beautiful all the time you would notice me noticing
3: that's right sometimes guys struggle with that though actually bob stelton yes. is normally good at noticing but one time i went like almost blonde and it took it like after a couple hours he was like did you do something to your hair i was like bob <laughs> it looks like i'm wearing a wig <laughs> yes yes <laughs>
1: Uh, So, Jadavian Clowney, also with some nice hair on him, I guess. That's a good transition. Uh, But he is now a Seahawk, and it was a move that, i got to be honest, when the weeks leading up to the trade, I was very hesitant because it's like, "Mm, I don't know, the Sheldon Richardson trade is still fresh in my Mm -hmm. mind. But what the Seahawks gave up for Jadavian Clowney was next to nothing. It's a third-round pick that if he doesn't resign, you're going to get back at some point. Barkevius Mingo, who was likely not going to make the Seahawks roster, and Jacob Martin, who could but he could develop into a really nice piece one day. Probably not going to be in 2019, mm-hmm. at least not here in Seattle. So what the Seahawks got compared to what they gave up, it, it just seems like they fleece the Texans, and it's led to a lot of people already, you know, exclaiming that the Seahawks not just won this trade, but robbed the Texans blindly. And so where does that rank, then, in the best moves that the Seahawks have made via trade? Now, trades don't happen too often in the NFL. Mm-hmm. It happens more so in baseball, and basketball, hockey, all those sports. But the Seahawks have been the beneficiaries of some pretty big ones, especially one fairly recently, you know, within the last decade, Marshawn Lynch coming from Buffalo for just a fourth and a fifth-round pick. But where does this rank? Jim Moore uh, of Danny David Moore fame on 710sports.com today ranked the best trades he thinks in Seahawks history and number one he had Steve Largent uh who they got from Houston for an 8th round pick which that round doesn't even exist in the NFL draft anymore like you get at the time of Largent's retirement he was the number one receiver in NFL history in terms of yardage yeah doesn't get much better than that no, it does no, doesn't.
3: and that's why it's number one on Jim's list. And he also has the Marshawn Lynch one at number two. He has Matt Hasselbeck at number three. Yeah, when and you, then Clowney at four.
2: When you look at this, it, to me, again, you 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 see this, and you're talking about production, right? It, it, you list those three trades off as as the the three bigger trades or the three best trades before Jadavion Clowney. This is even before Jadavion Clowney even produces anything as a Seahawk yet, right? I think from Jim, Jim Moore's perspective, it's what has happened. How has it worked out for the Seahawks after these trades? When you just look at the trades themselves, right? And I think Brock Huard on uh, Brock and Salk earlier today came on and said very strongly that he believes that this is the best trade that John Schneider has done. This might be the best trade in Seahawks history in terms of what they had to give up in market value for the player. Well, and part
3: of that's the uniqueness of the trade. Yeah, exactly. And the leverage that Clowney had.
2: Yeah. So if you're looking at, in John Schneider's era, Pete and John, in terms of the production after, Marshawn is clearly number one. Yeah. Marshawn Lynch, for a fourth-round pick, you do that all day, every day. But Mm -hmm. at the time, it wasn't that unique of a deal, right? It was a fair market value deal. This trade, right here, with Jadavian Clowney— This is the trade of the century for Pete and John in terms of the type of player that they got for the the amount that they had to give up. uh, Not even close. This was the better outcome in terms of just the initial trade. What happens as a player? We'll wait and see, but we've got obviously high hopes for Jadavian Clowney.
3: Yeah, I think that this is a trade that even if it doesn't pay off, you have to just look at the value that Seattle got in returns of what they traded and think that even though Jadavion Clowney had leverage here, John Schneider still managed to take advantage of the situation by getting into contact with Bill O'Brien, who obviously he already had a relationship with uh, as early as, what, April? Sometime before the draft. Yeah, it was the around draft. the draft. He and told, and uh, keeping those conversations going.
1: That was shocking. Yeah, he told Lydia Cruz and Danny O'Neill that yesterday. Uh, Stacy, you brought up a great point when we were getting ready for the show where so many people already want to rank this clowny trade among the best in team history. And, and Jim also, he had this one at number four mm-hmm. in, in franchise history. You brought up a great point how, when the Seahawks acquired Jimmy Graham from the saints, everybody thought that was a great deal. Yeah. Cause and, they thought
3: you're giving away a center. You were going to cut anyways. Cause they didn't know Max Unger had been injured in Seattle and people thought, Oh, what a steal. You basically traded a first round pick for Jimmy Graham.
1: And as it turned out, I, I thought the Jimmy Graham trade was a good trade. I still would do that trade Uh uh, 10 times out of 10. It's just that for whatever reason, he got hurt his first year here. Right. And then the running game just completely disappeared. So teams were keying on Jimmy Graham. And... There and were he still of,
3: managed to be moderately productive, though.
1: He made a Pro Bowl. I think he also won, he came really close to the NFL lead in touchdown receptions one year. And he had 10 Seattle.
3: touchdown receptions in his final season.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, the numbers, he put up the best statistical seasons from a tight end in franchise history, but that's not what the Seahawks right. use their they tight ends for. They wanted him to be...
3: A game changer.
1: Yeah, and he just didn't turn out that way, which I think is good perspective to use when evaluating the Clowney trade right now because none of us could foresee what the Jimmy Graham trade was going to end up being, especially coming off the two Super Bowl appearances. Everybody was like, oh, well, the Seahawks are going to go back to a third here. It's a given. With Clowney in in the fold, we don't know how this is going to work out. Like, none of us know. I, 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 All signs point to it working out splendidly. Yeah. But no one has set foot on any field yet.
3: Mm-hmm. Who
1: knows how it's going to work out. Right. Yeah, we got a text in from the 206. Clowney has
2: been overrated since his sophomore year when he blew up that dude in the backfield. Obviously, that game versus uh, that bowl game, he's referring to South Carolina versus Michigan to me. I think that's, that's a, not an accurate statement at all. I, I think that 206, when you're talking about Clowney, obviously there's high expectations with the guy being a first-round, first-pick, first-overall guy. And in Houston, outside of him being completely injured and not on the field his rookie season – He's been a very, very productive player in a role that he has not. He was not accustomed to playing, being an outside linebacker, being moved in different positions instead of having his hand in the ground as a normal four-three defensive end. So, I think there is a lot to be excited about. Clowney's coming off this, his last two seasons have been his best two seasons as a, as a pro, mm-hmm. and I would say that he's been around nine, nine and a half sacks. He's been over uh, close to twenty, uh, 20. Tack, uh, tack TFLs and. Yes. And in, in Seattle alone, playing, uh, playing here at home in front of the 12s, to me, that gives you a sack or two with that type of talent alone. So, I do think you're going to see double digit sacks. You're going to see this guy be highly productive out on the field and is a very, very welcomed addition.
1: It's hard to be overrated when you've made the last three Pro Bowls and were an All Pro in 2016. Correct. Like, that's... It's just,
3: well, it's almost like it's a losing game if you're a first round pick. The only Especially way you can be successful as a number one overall pick is to be like a legacy player because that's usually why people get like a Peyton Manning there. Right, like True. It's, it's so hard to live up to that billing.
2: Right, Peyton, so hard. Peyton Manning, J.J. Watt. I mean, those types of players. Aaron Donald. Right, Khalil Mack. That's yeah. the level that you're talking to. And Jadavian's right there. He's not at that. He's not quite at the pinnacle, but he's definitely right there amongst the elite of this league. And and so when you look at this trade, I think it's going to be monumental. I mean, this gives the Seahawks a chance from. Being a good team trying to scratch into the playoffs like they did last year because of lack of depth at the defensive line and the questions that they have in the secondary to now being a, a, a to me this makes them a very much a favorite to win the division this year and also to give yourself a chance to make a deep playoff run if not a Super Bowl run you, so it's a huge
1: difference Jake you brought up Khalil Mack and he was also he was in the same draft class as Clown he was taking four picks after him. You look at the the production of those two guys stacked up against each other. Obviously, Khalil Mack is the better pro because he's been a defensive player of the year. He's been a multi, multiple All Pro. Uh, you know, he changed the entire fortunes of the Bears franchise when they brought him in. And then Clowney, also, you know, the guy who he shared a defensive line with J.J. Watt in Houston. This is a guy whose production has been overshadowed by guys who are near him, and yeah. yet it kind of detracts from what Clowney has accomplished in his career, which is a really good resume for someone who's, what, this is his sixth year in the league, and he's only 26 years old. Well, and
3: I wonder if that was part of the incentive, personally, of coming here, too. Obviously, I'm just guessing, but if I were a player coming from that area, I think one reason Seattle would be intriguing is I know that I fill a spot that they need help at immediately, and I'll be a welcome addition there. Like I'm going to be someone that can immediately be a star,
2: no doubt. And look at the history of what Seattle's been able to do with defensive ends, in particular, right? Yeah, I mean they've had a run of success with you know bringing guys from the outside into their program and making them very successful players. You know, obviously that's what Pete Carroll does best in in all of this outside the secondary, and uh, it's been a it's been a traditional staple. So for Jadavian, outside of all the other factors. From a playing standpoint alone, this is a perfect fit for him. Again, he gets to come back and play the traditional, normal four-three defensive end next to Ziggy Ansah. And maybe one of the best things I saw on Twitter uh, was a picture of both of them and uh, Cable Thanos, you know, asking what should this duo be called. And uh, Will Blackman uh, he tweeted out and said, "Cool Rushings." Okay. It's a good title. Okay. I think
1: that's pretty dang good. I saw the insane clowny posse. That's, I mean, yeah, that's yeah. to me that's that's a big stretch. Well, because also you're talking about the insane clown posse, which is kind of like <laughs> the lowest of the low. Right. Like you're scraping the barrel. Correct. Can't get behind that. But I mean, it was a nice effort, nice yeah. attempt, nice attempt. But I, I, you <laughs> look at this and say Jadavie on one
2: side, Ziggy on the other. Eventually, you're going to have Jaron Reed. You know, bringing that interior pressure. Just overall on this defensive line, it is very, very exciting, uh, and, and it gives you incredible incredible depth.
1: Jacob Beeson, he looked great in Saturday's uh, season opener against Eastern Washington for the Huskies. Can we expect a repeat of that against one of the better defenses in the Pac-12? It's Washington Wednesday next here on Seattle Sports Tonight on 710. ESPN Seattle
0: Washington Wednesdays brought to you by Star Rentals preferred supplier to the West best contractors and by Heritage Distilling Company makers of BSB brown sugar bourbon Washington Wednesday not over yet
1: because it's Seattle sports at night's time Huskies taking on Cal their first conference matchup of 2019 Pretty early for a conference game in the Pac-12, week two. Normally, usually about week three, week four is when that goes down. But uh, a big test for Washington because last year, as we all know, uh, Washington lost to Cal in Berkeley. Jake Hayner through the deciding uh, interception in that one, uh, was returned for a touchdown as the Golden Bears knocked off the Huskies in a very low-scoring affair. This year, though, a lot of new faces for the Huskies. You've got Jacob Eason now at quarterback, and he looked great in week one. Can we expect a repeat performance against one of the better defenses in the Pac-12? Jake, you spent a lot of your time watching the college football game, uh, especially the quarterback play in college, and you're very tight with uh, Jacob Eason. You've you've watched his development over the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. What you saw from him in week one... What is the most translatable thing to week two that you saw from him?
2: Yeah, that's a really good question. I think the biggest thing, obviously the talent of his his arm, his ability to push the ball down the field was very noticeable. But the there are really two things that really three things that really stood out to me. One, his ability to place the ball in tight windows in the middle of the field. He threw some great seam routes uh down the middle of the field that just really you didn't see that from before. And you haven't seen that in quite some time. And so his ability to throw in tight windows is exactly what you need when you're facing a Cal defense that's one of the best secondaries in the Pac-12. Um, and so he gives you a chance. Even when guys are covered, he can still throw you open. The second thing was that I think could really translate into this next game was his poise. He was very poised. He was very calm and collected. Even when there was success and reason to be very excited Uh, It wasn't that he wasn't emotional because he was, and you could see, I mean, the entire game he had a smile on his face, and it was really fun to watch that after two years of sitting uh, and watching and hearing things about you and that you're a five-star bust and overrated this and that, and, you know, for it to come, you know, to have that type of game and for him to remain as poised as he did was great. And the third thing, which to me stood out above everything else, guys, was, his ability to run the show, his ability to trust what he was seeing, make adjustments. Um, he wasn't making audibles, but what he was de- doing was he was stretching the entire field, taking advantage of the RPO situations that presented himself. True uh, run-pass options that were there. And some people call RPOs where it's a, it's a designed uh, play fake and throw the ball No, the true RPOs is when you're really, truly making a decision. You're looking at the run box count. You're looking at the corners. You're looking at the linebackers and where they're positioned on the field. And he had great confidence and command of all of that last Saturday. And I expect the same thing to translate.
1: Uh, Head-to-head all time. The Huskies and Cal, 54 wins, 40 losses. But in the last four years, the two teams have split, or the last four meetings, the two teams have split two and two which is kind of weird because you you look at when the Huskies really took off under Chris Peterson. Mm -hmm. It was about four years ago. And yet Cal has been this team kind of in the mid-ground of the Pac-12 for really their entire existence. Actually, there was a part of their existence before Jeff Tedford got to Cal where they were really bad. It's weird that even though the Huskies have had a lot of success over the last four or five years – that Cal still kind of can trip them up every now and then. And, you know, defense translates at really any level you play out in football. If you've got a good defense, you can stay in any kind of game right now. And uh, I think the game's going to be – I think it's going to be a pretty hotly contested one on Saturday. I'm not saying that the Huskies are going to be, you know, trailing at any point, but I think – that it's going to be good for them to have a test like this right out of the gate to really, you know, learn where this program is at in the first year after, you know, Jake Browning and Miles Gaskin.
2: I, I fully agree with that. You know, Justin Wilcox is is a tremendous coach, uh, and and he's been able to put together a really really good group and a solid first year la- last year at Cal um, with Bo Baldwin being his offensive coordinator, and they're gonna they're gonna test this group and. The amount of success that they had on offense uh, is definitely going to be challenged this next week. And, you know, the the defense did a pretty good job versus Eastern Washington, a very explosive offense. They have a lot of youngsters out there, first-year starters for the Huskies. And Bo Baldwin is a very, very good offensive coordinator. He's going to stretch the field. He's going to, you know, give you some problems. And it'll be interesting to see how they will be able to adjust to that overall. I come down to this, Curtis, in my mind, and Stacey is – Is the offense, was last week the week that Bush Hamden needed and Chris Peterson needed to watch Jacob Eason and this offense and really be able to open things up? Or are they going to get conservative and just try to do whatever they can to, to just sneak out with a win versus really trying to put the pressure on Cal, their defense, and be in attack mode? Uh, because last year you could definitely see that they were just trying to get through games by running the football, keeping it close, and playing strong defense, and that was the recipe for them, and that's what they needed to do. But you could tell that their offense just was not in sync. I loved what they did last week, guys, and I hope they continue to do that again. This will be the biggest challenge for the Huskies receivers. And that was one of the biggest questions overall about the Huskies is, what does this receiver core look like, and can they produce, can they step up? And Cal's defense is one of the best in the Pac-12. Cal's secondary is one of the best in Pac-12. So they're going to challenge that very weakness, and we'll see if the Husky receivers are able to answer the challenge, answer the call, or not. It'll be very, very telling, in my
3: opinion. I mean, in that vein, do they have the – weapons on offense to be a less conservative off- offense because to be a less conservative offense you also have to have room for error and you're gonna throw more picks you're gonna make more mistakes I mean is Correct. that something they can do like I, can they play the kind of offense they had in week one against eastern Washington against some of the other tougher opponents to
2: me I think you have to I think you have to to really give yourself the best chance you have to obviously establish the run game but you have a talented quarterback in Jacob Eason um, who ha- who's shown you the ability to throw guys open, make you right so far. And I wouldn't go into a game with a cautious mindset saying, if we throw the ball more, then that's going to give us more opportunities for Jacob Eason to throw picks. I-, I would say that we ran our offense. We ran our operation at a very high level. Let's continue to impose our style, our will onto the other opponents and make them stop us. That's the mentality that great offenses have. And you know that's why Mike Leach. That's why you see Anthony Gordon come out Week One and be able to play the way he did. See Gardner Minshew play the way he did last year because they have a true system in place. And I'm and I'm hoping that U Dub can get to that point in time or can get to that point in their program where their offense is a well-oiled machine. This is what they do, and you have to stop them.
1: The carnage of Week One saw Oregon lose and a lot of people had them pegged as maybe the Pac-12's best shot at getting to a college football playoff, especially had they beaten Auburn on a neutral site Mm -hmm. and and set the tone for their season. That didn't happen. They blew a huge lead, and Auburn ended up winning that one. Do the Huskies now assume that throne as being the Pac-12's best shot at getting a team in the college football playoff? Which, I mean, they went down a spot in the rankings after week one because of Playing in FCS school, and now they're down to 14 after being 13 in the initial poll. But you've got Utah also still in the fold in the Pac 12, and then the Cougs always, you know, their preseason expectations usually lower than where they end up at the end of the year. But you look at the Pac 12 right now, how bad do they need Washington to win this Saturday to avoid Man, just mass
3: badly. carnage? <laughs> Very badly. Yeah.
2: yeah.
1: Uh, it, they have
2: Washington in terms of the health of the Pac-12. This is critical for them to be able to get over this hump and to be able to do it in a healthy way, not just barely squeak by Cal, but to be able to win convincingly. I'm not saying convincingly by you know, hey, three touchdowns. What I'm saying is convincing. You're in control. You didn't of the stumble game. into it. exactly. Yeah. You're not playing down the way that you were versus Cal. Uh, you're not, uh, you know, getting yourselves into a dogfight until the very end. That you are in control. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what a top-flight team nationally is going to do to a team like Cal. That's just what will happen. And 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 I think Cal has all the right now. You talk about a team that's playing confidently, a team that's got all swag. You've got a player, a, a All Pac-12 linebacker, and Evan Weaver, who went to uh, Gonzaga Prep, who I watched run over my Skyline Spartans the state championship game uh, a few years ago. That was a tough watch for me in the Tacoma Dome, uh, not being able to play and help out the Spartans. Uh, He has turned into one heck of a player and a guy who already, before the season even started, said that they were going to go up to the Husky Stadium and come out with the W. This is a group that feels very confident about their matchup against UW, and UW needs to show that they're the enforcer in this game because I promise you, Cal is going to try and be the enforcer, be the bully, and try and keep this game close.
1: Well, and Oregon wasn't the only team to suffer a big loss in Week One because, uh, I mean, they suffered a loss on the field losing to Auburn, but USC, mm-hmm. the most nationally recognized program in the conference. They're starting, their starting Yeah, JT Barrett tears his ACL. He's done for the year. Now they've got their backup. They're not even ranked, and they face a Stanford team that is ranked, and, and that game's going to be uh, nationally televised on ESPN 730 on Saturday. So that, I mean, the conference itself, I mean, you've got Oregon off to a bad start, USC off to a bad start. You know, you had
3: Well, and you had the quarterbacks that could have drawn eyes. Like JT Daniels was the quarterback that Yogi Roth yeah. offered as someone that could I have I think I
1: said J.T. Barrett. J.T. Daniels. But yes, I knew what you JT, meant. Yeah.
3: As as someone that could have drawn eyes in addition to Justin Herbert and obviously Jacob Eason. And I think if nothing else, like the quarterback situation, it's always the quarterbacks that draw eyes, but Eason's background, while tough for him, at least brings some uh SEC viewers or or viewers from curious in the NFL draft to the Pac-12.
2: Yep, absolutely. So when you talk about where the Pac-12 is now, I would say after that game, I still hold Oregon high. I think that the way that they played Auburn, I mean, they they were in control of that game for the majority of the game and obviously uh, laid a major egg. I think they got super conservative in the second half with their offensive play calling. Uh, I still think that they're a very good team. Utah, to me, was a disappointing watch uh, versus BYU because you looked at that offense. There was so much hype around this offense. What can that quarterback look like? Their running back, their receiver group, and I think Moss, their running back for Utah, looked great. Their quarterback in Tyler Huntley, to me, he's just a guy. I, I don't think he's anything special, uh, and and they he didn't show anything for me to make me think otherwise. So I think Utah is going to struggle again on offense at different points. That's where, to me, the two crowns of this Pac-12 comes from. It's either UW or it's going to be Oregon, and they need both of those programs to to continue to play at a high, high level uh, throughout the rest of the season in in order to give themselves even a chance.
3: And, Curtis, I just want to end this segment by saying there are really too many JTs, so don't feel bad about that.
1: I yeah. I could tell I was feeling bad about
3: that. I know, I know. There's too many of them. We got one here. They got one. J- there. Yeah,
1: JT Heaps nine. You can right. follow him on Twitter. It's just JT too many. Garrett, of them. Jt, I get it. Daniels, get it. man. I'll get it together. I promise, you bounce guys. Back. I will. We've got two more segments left, including Ask Us Anything, coming up about uh, 15 to 20 minutes from now. So get your text questions into the Kurosite text line. Ask Us Anything that's coming up. But also, big if true, what are the biggest concerns the Seahawks still have in overtaking the Rams in the NFC West race? We Take a listen to what Trey Wingo of ESPN told Danny Dave, and Moore today. That's next. Seattle Sports at Night on 710 ESPN Seattle.
0: You're listening to Seattle Sports at Night with Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacey Rost. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio on 710 ESPN Seattle.
1: I gave you some homework during the break. We need your text questions. The course, like text line 710 710. It's important because school's back in session. Like, it started, what, this week? Yeah, started
2: so, uh, for some people. It started today, Curtis. Whew.
3: That sucks for you guys. Yeah, man, boy, <laughs> does it feel good oh, to not have school. Man. Let me tell you yeah. about paying bills.
1: Oh, <laughs> yeah.
3: As our laughs turn into cries, oh, I want to go back to living with yeah, my parents and God, going to school.
1: Man, when the biggest worry of your day was like doing your homework. Man. Oh, that man. was the
3: biggest worry of your day, yeah. nerd. <laughs>
1: I mean, um, yeah, look at me, Stacy. Like, Stacy was guys. the quintessential mean girl. Wow.
3: I wasn't. Yeah, just I bullying
1: wasn't.
2: people. No,
3: uh, no, I wasn't. It's just you, you set me up for
1: it. I it
2: was too I
3: easy. Did.
1: Nerd alert right here. Uh, don't forget, starting tomorrow, you can join 710 ESPN Seattle at Snoqualmie Casino for a live broadcast, Hawks Live from 7 to 9 p.m. Thursday nights during the football season. Dave Wyman and Michael Bumpus are your hosts. Learn more at 710sports.com. Hey, Curtis,
2: what if we um, – do you think it would be awkward if we just, like, showed up and tried to bully them off? Like, just did hey, our
1: show yeah. from <laughs> Snow Quality Casino?
3: I'll
2: hey, be
1: there. You realize that this is our show. This is our time slot. <laughs> Yeah. Do you think we should try and do that Let's one time? Let's start broadcasting
3: That'll... next to them at the same time.
1: <laughs> Just talking louder than them, even though they're like on mics and like <laughs> getting projected out to the wherever it is at Snowball. Hey, we the can casino. do four down territory. We could do yeah. Big if yeah. true. And uh, yeah, so uh, <laughs>
3: four down territory coming up. <laughs> good thing we're good teammates, and we won't yeah, be
1: doing. We that. won't be doing that. Mm, but uh, right. yeah, Jake might. He's he's he's, he's, he's one of those loose cannons. It. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Little too competitive.
2: I think it might be <laughs> this new haircut. It's just making me. It's giving him some confidence. Yeah, it is. He's and like then, this is you, Jake. And then you go and see Dave Wyman, and it then it quickly shrinks away. Oh, I mean, he's yeah. gonna want to yes, fight you.
3: Yeah, he'll definitely wanna actually fight
1: you. if you if you volunteered to go on the radio and make him not have to talk, he'd probably be down for it. You think he'd so? probably just be like, "Oh, you want a host? Go right ahead." Yeah. Like. <laughs> I'll see you guys later. But uh, tonight, as we always do around 830, it is time for Big If True.
0: This can't be happening. Big. You can't be serious, man. If. Did, did he, he say, say that? True. History is going to change. The bottom line on the hottest opinions of the day. You cannot be serious.
1: Tonight's Big If True comes to us from ESPN's Trey Wingo, host of Golik and Wingo, which you can hear right here in the wee hours every morning, like 3 a.m., Shout out to anybody who's up at that hour. You're the real hero here. But Trey Wingo was asked by Danny, Dave, and Moore his concern, what concerns does he see with the Seahawks that would keep them from overtaking the Rams? Here's what he had to say
0: The two biggest concerns I have for Seattle right now is with the, without Doug Baldwin, is DK Metcalf ready to be that guy? I know he's been a little mixed up this summer, and there were concerns about his lateral movement anyway. For he had a straight line speed, it's ridiculous. And the other part of that is, hey, we, we used a first-round pick last year on Rashad Penny, right, the running
1: back. I didn't see that last year out of him. Maybe he'll get it this year. But those are the two questions I have for the Seahawks going forward if I'm going to say, yeah, they're ready
0: to overtake the Rams.
1: Are those concerns big enough to warrant saying that if those things don't come to fruition, the Seahawks are not going to win the NFC West?
3: Oh, to win the NFC West? Yeah. I, or specifically again. Well, I guess, yeah. If you you're going to overtake the, the Rams. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah duh. Um, I mean, yeah. I'd say that wide receiver in general certainly needs to figure itself out over the season. The fact that they brought back Jeron Brown is wonderful. Uh, hopefully they can successfully execute their plan to get him more involved in the passing game. Cause he excelled when targeted he just had like 19 targets total. Uh, and that's your number two receiver. So if they can find a way to successfully get him involved and, you know, get someone like Chris Carson involved too, then I think that that makes it a lot easier.
2: Uh, I think that when you look at this in Trey Wingo, it's always interesting to hear from a national perspective, right? Obviously, uh, you know, not being entrenched into this market every single day and what's going on. I think, You look at Trey Wingo and what exactly he said, I would take the first argument in terms of DK being able to replace Doug Baldwin. If that is a big question, is there going to be a legitimate number two that comes to the fold? And obviously you look at John Ursua. uh, I think that John is a guy that you have high hopes for and and think that he can really step up. and, And he might be a guy that as the season progresses, it's like, man, this guy is really, really coming on in a big way. I do believe that DK and his success is going to be very, very indicative of this offense's overall success. Hopefully that he can play with confidence. Russell and him can really bond on the field and develop great chemistry. Because obviously heading into week one, I think Russell, if DK is on the field, is going to give him a lot of chances. And we'll see if DK can really take advantage of those. Um, So to me, that is a legitimate storyline heading into this year. Mm -hmm. The Rashad Penny thing, I I know that yes, he was a former first round pick and, and all those and, and you wanna see him emerge and step up. However, you have Chris Carson. <laughs> you know, Chris Carson is a top five back in this league when he's healthy and playing. So to me the running game is not a concern because you're not reliant on Rashad Penny at this point in time. You are reliant on Chris Carson and Rashad Penny stepping up and being there for you is a very nice welcomed addition mm-hmm. to that fold. So I don't think that this team's Success is reliant, or the offense's success is reliant on Rashad Penny. I would say that a bigger aspect of that is on the flip side of the defensive side of the ball is the secondary. Can the secondary grow and can they uh, really improve off of last year's performance? Because outside of Bradley McDougal, there was a lot less. Uh, there was a lot less to be desired of than what we saw from Shaq Griffin in particular. And, and that's where you're hoping those guys can really emerge and grow uh, heading
1: into this next year. On, on the other side of it, we're talking about things that the Seahawks still have to do to overtake the Rams. What are some things that the Rams have, have done this off season that you look at and say, yeah, the Seahawks are, are going to lap these fools?
3: Oh, ooh, I don't know about that. Um, I was I was going to add stopping the run onto Seattle facing LA in particular, just with Gurley there, obviously. And then Seattle's focus on the run. And also this is, this isn't answering the question, but, um, I think, and also because Pete Carroll today said something interesting, which was, he was asked about, uh, kind of his defensive mantra mantra. It's fancier that way. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and kind of, and corrected the question and said, actually, you know, stopping the run has always kind of been number one. And- well, I'm
0: surprised that you're that far off of what the, it's always been. It's always been a stop the run first, always. And, uh, that's where we begin. And the next aspect of it is making sure they can't score easily, which is exactly what you, you addressed. Um, so it, we're, it's the same in, in our thinking. And I think that's football, you know, you, if you can, if people can run the football, it's too easy and they, they don't, get in situations that, where they jeopardize the ball and all that, and clock, all those things. So it starts up in the middle, up front.
3: And uh, the reason I thought that was interesting is that obviously an offense and a coach that deeply values running the ball, if he truly values it, he values it on the other side of the ball, and he values another team who can do that. It's not just you're doing that because you don't have the weapons to be a different kind of offense. You're choosing to be that offense, so you know. therefore you have to respect that in another person's game. So I think uh, if... L.A. struggles with that. That's obviously, you know, an advantage for Seattle. And and likewise, Seattle really needs to improve on that this year if they want to take on Gurley.
1: Are, are the Rams, I guess, the biggest competition that the Seahawks need to worry about this season where it felt like, you know, in the, the peak years of the rivalry, it felt like you were always measuring yourself against the 49ers. Mm-hmm. Right are the Rams that measuring stick for the Seahawks right now? Yes. I mean, it's been a long time,
2: guys. I mean, it's a very short answer. Yes it is because the Rams have owned the Seahawks yeah, over the last Yeah, they were low two, key that years.
3: person for even when they were successful.
2: Yeah, they always gave the Seahawks fits and to really get over the hump and reclaim this division, they have to take it away from the Rams. They just simply have to. Obviously, the 49ers are the dark horse team in all of this. Uh, they if healthy have a very, very good team on paper. We'll see what they ultimately will be. But they've also played Seattle tough. So they've got to really work within their division to get themselves on top. However, I think the other thing that people may not really be putting into consideration is how tough their non-divisional schedule is. They've got one of the hardest schedules in the league. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be a tough battle, especially having as many uh, East Coast away games as they do. They're going to have you know quite a few challenges in front of them. But uh, I think for them to really take it home, like Stacy said, is to really confront that Rams offense with being able to stop at first where it starts is with Todd Gurley in this running game. And I think that's something that they addressed majorly, even before Ziggy Ansah, Jadavian Clowney. I think they um, addressed in a big way. Uh, their their needs to plug up yeah. that that interior
1: defensive lineman in, uh, defensive line
2: in the run game.
1: We need your questions next for ask us anything to the Coors line text line 710-710. That's next. Curtis Rogers, Stacy Ross, Jake Heaps, seven ten ESPN Seattle
0: live from the Alaska Airlines Studio. This is Seattle Sports at Night with Night. Curtis Rogers, Jake Heaps, and Stacy Ross on seven ten ESPN Seattle. Had a
1: lot of fun with y'all tonight here on Seattle Sports Night. Check out that podcast page, 710sports.com. Click on On Demand. We're there for you. Seattle Sports at Night. Every hour of every show is available. But now is the portion of the program where we answer your text questions, ask us anything, to the Coors Light text line 710-710. Stacy.
3: From the 4 5 can you grade your fantasy draft and tell us why you're dominating this year? Yes, I can, Four two five. My fantasy draft is an A, and I'll be dominating because I'm great at everything I do.
1: That's plenty
2: of <laughs> can reason. Can you at least right
3: run there. down? The sneakiest like, your, thing I did can was... Can you run
2: down your top picks, please?
3: Yeah, well, the sneakiest thing I did was um, my I snagged Patrick Mahomes with my second pick. So, Ooh. way too early for a quarterback. And uh, Taylor Jacobs in our 710 uh, fantasy football group had already named his team name a Patrick Mahomes themed name so that was that was a sneaky sneaky move sneaky Stacy
1: they call it you know
3: sometimes you gotta step on others to get ahead that's,
1: that's yeah sometimes that's you what awful people say Curtis do you have a fantasy team okay so this year I don't have one yet. Okay, you've got a, a league out there that needs. You're another running person. out of time. Man. I know. Join
3: the 7-10 one. We have empty spots. Really? I think. But so. didn't you guys have
1: a draft? already? I probably
3: auto drafted for those spots. I think we have an empty one.
1: Interesting. Hit your boy up, I guess. But yeah, I I've not had a draft yet or anything. The league I was in for years and years and years, they just they didn't run it back this year, which was unfortunate because it was a a keeper league, and I had I had a good roster coming into 2019. Mm. But uh, yeah, haven't gotten one. So if you've got an extra spot, holla, your boy. Add a kid from Kent. If you if Someone you follow get Curtis me, on yeah. your fantasy, football
3: if you team. follow
1: me, then uh, maybe I'll I'll gladly uh, yeah
3: join I,
2: your fantasy league. I don't have one. I don't have one right now. I How don't do think, you feel about I that? Jake, I don't think as a I can player? ever cross over into the fantasy world. I, I just really. I don't know. There's just something about it. I think it would. Well, now I want great... to know
3: what it's like for Jake to play fantasy football with all of us.
2: It would give me great anxiety, and <laughs> I told Stacy that I know this is normal, but like my competitive level would just be at an all-time high. I don't know how to turn that off. So if I get into that mode, there's no going back. And I don't Man. think everybody
1: on that station would want
2: me. I feel like Jake would here. do some
3: dirty trades. You know what I mean? Like he would.
2: He'd get take insider
1: advantage.
3: info. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's
1: still plugged into the league. He's got friends that, that are I still playing. I might bully
2: you in the hallway to make no the trade happen. I, I mean, whatever <laughs> I have to do. Whoa.
3: You guys, Jake shoved me into a locker today. I didn't know we had lockers. Yeah, and then like... <laughs> and then he took my lunch money. Like, wh- what, what, what was that all about? Yeah, well, I just what's wanted, going on?
2: I
1: just wanted to say Quan Barkley. Just go with the transaction. Stacy, you and I, we have never seen like Full on competitive Jake yet? No, I don't know if that would be good for the show's I don't think dynamic. So. I think I don't we're think so. better off. Yeah,
2: yeah. Just, I, I think right now, for the health of us and our relationships, probably a good thing. It hasn't got to. That What's point. the
3: worst advice you've ever heard, or someone has ever given you? You know what I'll say is, uh, it's not. It wasn't to me, but it was like some viral tweet the other day of an ad, an advice column for how to talk to women and approach women who are wearing headphones, like if they're working out. And like, I was thinking, don't. don't. Yeah. Like don't. If I'm wearing headphones for. and working out, I do not want you talking to me. Yeah.
1: <laughs> like, what
3: the Like, what are you it? doing? And the advice was, like, stand in front of her. It's no. Just, no. God, no. Motion to your headphones to let her know you'd like to her to take them off.
1: Like, it was... I feel like headphones in the ears is universal of, like, just leave me alone. Yeah. 100%. Don't talk to That's me. That's what I do when I get in on an airport.
3: Yeah, they don't even have to be on. Right. It's just, just the the message is, please pretend I don't exist.
2: Exactly. How about you guys? Exactly. Any bad advice? Um, I think the worst thing that I've heard is when people make fun of somebody else for being, like, a quote-unquote try-hard. Um, you know, you have that label that's thrown around in sports all the time. You know, especially like in basketball, you're you're playing. You know, you're practicing. I'm you, the guy and you're diving for loose balls. Yeah, you got that guy diving for loose balls. You got a guy who's dean you up super hard. Um, you know, guy who's in the weight room working out super hard. You know, showing up everybody. I, I think that that is probably one of the worst things and attitudes that you can have. Uh, Trying to be the cool guy that that doesn't get you anywhere, you know. Being the tryhard, ultimately, that's that's the guy you want to be if you want to be successful. So
1: we know who the tryhard is among us.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Curtis, do you have one?
1: Uh, worst advice, man. I did. Whenever I hear bad advice, I just block it out. I don't even, like, make note of it. It's just like... Sometimes
3: you don't know it's bad advice, though.
1: That's true. Until,
3: like, sometimes you get bad advice when you're in high school or something, and then you get older, and you I like, do
1: remember in high school, like, I told people I wanted to get into, like, the sports media world, however that may be, and I still don't even know if I'm in it. I mean, we're on this late at night. Uh, but people were like, oh... You should really get a backup plan. Like yeah. I don't know how that's going to work out. Or like, yeah. what are you, what are you doing memorizing all those sports facts for? You're never going to find a job for that.
3: And you're like, I'm in the job where <laughs> I need that. I now. found it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like this currently is here.
1: Pretty vital stuff to have.
3: Uh, very true. The two five three would love to know what you think the Seahawks' regular season record will be.
2: Okay, how do should we do this? Because we don't need to influence each other on these on this pick.
3: Two of us will leave the room. No, I'm going to say that uh, before, like two months ago, I think I guessed eight and eight between eight and eight and nine and seven. uh, I lean now more toward a nine and seven with with Mm. ten wins being possible. I I think too because teams don't usually have a ton of variance from how they were the season before. I will say I think Seattle has a lot of young talent that if it develops will will help boost you versus old talent that's leaving.
1: Okay. I'm gonna say eleven and five. Okay. I'm feeling I'm feeling feeling no ties. No, yeah. No ties in here.
3: All right.
2: Ten, so. four, and you two. You got those overtime <laughs> yeah. rules.
3: There's there's gonna be one of them eventually. Oh
2: and sixteen. Okay. So <laughs> uh Stacy says nine and seven. Yeah. And your explanation doesn't count. I'm writing nine and seven. Okay, fine. Okay, okay, so final. Okay. Uh Curtis, you're at eleven and five. Yes. And I hate to do this, but I am also at eleven and five because that's what I said earlier. On uh, Bob Gros, and Tom. Okay. You so uh, no, Curtis, you got to stand by so it. So Curtis, Curtis, and I are at eleven and okay. five. I believe that this team, and I'm going to put on it too. Eleven and five, they win the division.
3: Ooh.
2: Ooh.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, that Super Bowl hangover is a real thing in the NFL, no and, doubt. And the Rams yeah. are such a young team that I mean, you don't know how it's going to affect them. I. I think they win the division as well. 11 and 5 you NFC You think West Seattle champs. wins the
0: division? Yeah,
1: I don't know if they get a bye in the first round, okay. but I think they get at least one home playoff game. All right. Uh from the 509, uh what's your highest bowling score? Mine uh, I think like 160.
3: 160?
2: Like, yeah. What's okay. it out
3: of? 300. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay.
1: I mean, I'm With not With that question right boring.
2: there, I yeah. I know Stacy scores <laughs> not going to be over a 100. Uh,
3: I knew it was out of 300.
2: Okay. You did?
3: Well, I answered my own question after I said it.
2: Okay. I didn't hear that part.
3: I just had to think about it for a split second.
2: My highest
3: My highest score is probably 50.
2: 50?
1: <laughs> nice. It. My
2: highest was uh
1: With it, bumpers?
3: Yeah. Yeah. It was <laughs> a 190. I didn't get it
2: was a 190. Here we go. Yeah.
1: I one time I went bowling with a friend of mine and like none of us knew how good of a bowler he was. Like he I think he tried to be a ringer or something yeah Hands up bowling like a two seventy five that what? night. It wow. was the most Isn't amazing weird thing when your I've friends, ever seen. Like you'll
3: have a random friend that's really good at something, and you didn't know they were, and not just better than average, really good. Yeah. Or, or you're, you're like, did you train?
2: Yeah. For or, this, or you have the the people that overhype their bowling game, which is almost anybody and everybody. Oh, I'm great at when bowling. we were <laughs> when I went down to San Diego doing the Seahawks uh, Seahawks uh, summer camp deal. Uh, you, Russ, I I I bowl over you know I bowl around you know one ninety to two hundred. You oh, got okay. like four or five different players, and they're all up around the two oh, hundred. I bowled like a three seventy five. We actually get down to bowling. <laughs> we get down to bowling. No one even came close to two hundred. I don't even know if anybody bowling cracked is hard, man. Like come on, man. Like yeah. you can't oversell yourself like that, and and then not show up, especially when we're starting to compete against each other, yeah, don't oversell yourself. I I think it's better to under uh, uh, under promise over deliver. I think we need a station
3: time. bowling trip.
2: Or bowling Ooh. league. Yeah. Bowling. No,
3: not bad. a bowling league. That's I might a lot only of commitment. want to do it yeah. once and get tired of it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we'll put that uh, up for up for vote at the okay. next um all literally tomorrow in the office yeah that's gonna do it for us here tonight uh we'll be back with you next week for stacy ross Jake Heaps. i'm curtis rogers this is seattle sports tonight on 710 espn seattle